welcome to Spoiler Peace Theater, the podcast that doesn't give a shit about spoilers. We just want to talk about the movies. My name is Megan Kearns. My pronouns are she, her. I write film reviews for Edge Media Network. I'm a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association, and I'm a member of Gallica, the Society of LGBTQ Entertainment Critics. My name is Dave Riedel. I write and I talk about movies, and I'm also a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association. My name is Evan Crean. My pronouns are he, him. I am co-chair of the Boston Online Film Critics Association and co-author of your 80s movie guide to better living. Yes, you are, sir. I need to reread that. I haven't read it in a while. (laughs) We were just talking about that before we we started recording. I mean, I'm honored that uh, one of our patrons picked up a copy. Oh, that's nice. Dan, thank you. Yeah, thanks for picking up a copy. Now I have to write a book. So that so that somebody can buy it. Get on it, Dave. Get on it now. (laughs) Well, in addition to writing books, and at least for one of us, and aspiring to write books, we also obviously talk about movies, and that's what we're here to do today. And if you're a member of our Patreon, and if you're not, consider joining. Go check out our bonus episode. This week it's the winner of our legacy sequel patron poll. And the winner is Top Gun Maverick. So we had a blast talking about that. So go check it out. (laughs) A blast. Because, you know, in the movie, (laughs) they blast things. (laughs) They do blast things. They sure do. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, Dave, you're always good at derailing me. Sorry. (laughs) No, it's good. You're funny. I love it. But now I got to think about what I was saying. Oh, yes. So the movies we're going to be covering this week. We're going to be talking about the horror thriller Blood, and we're going to be talking about, I'm not even going to categorize this one, Life Upside Down. We'll get to those in a minute. Before we dig into them, we're going to be talking about our reactions to the Oscar nominations, which just came out a few days ago. Evan and Dave, what did you think about them? Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Strong reaction out the gate. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I haven't seen the whale. I don't plan on seeing the whale. I haven't seen Elvis. I don't plan on seeing Elvis. Um, but I think if I have said this before, just reiterate, does anyone deserve an award? Okay. Moving on. Colin Farrell, Paul Mescal, Bill Nye, great choices. Um, you know, Brendan Gleeson, great choice. Judd Hirsch in the Fablemans. Really? Okay. (laughs) Short round, great choice. Um, you That's know, my favorite for best supporting actor of yeah, the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I understand the Anna de Armas thing, but okay. And I haven't seen to Leslie, even though I should, because Mark Maron is also in it, in addition to Andrea Riseborough, who I do like very much. She's so, amazing. That's she an really is. Um, and uh, yeah, Angela Bassett, Carrie Condon, Jamie Lee Curtis, all all good. Um, I'm not sure why we're nominating Steven Spielberg for the Fablemans again. I'll just, you know, but <laughs> fine. I guess if you're going to like, this is the, you know, you've always got to have a movie about movies, right? So of course, you know, the most famous director ever probably made a movie about himself learning how to make movies. So why wouldn't you nominate that or him? I should say. <laughs> so what are the best picture nominees? Did we talk about that yet? <laughs> we haven't. The best picture nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar Way of Water, Banshees of Sharon, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Hmm. 
of those I've seen, except for the Fablemans, sure. <laughs> Everybody knows how I feel about the Fablemans. Yeah, I guess Clearly. so. I know. If you didn't before, you do now. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. You don't even need to catch up on that episode. We already know where Dave lands on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say this. I don't really understand the fucking brouhaha. And I think, Megan, this is going to make you raise an eyebrow. I oh, do boy. not understand all of the brouhaha for everything, everywhere, all at once. I think it's fine. I think it's very well done. I think it's really well acted. And it's directed to the hilt. But, you know, I don't know. There's something about it that's just kind of like, eh, the whole thing's about our, like our, the mother-daughter thing. And like I, I like all the world. I like the hot dog fingers and things like that. But it's an everything bagel. Yes. Oh. I mean, I don't know. And yes, <laughs> listeners, I did raise an eyebrow. Actually, I raised two. Yeah. <laughs> Because I like, think it's amazing. I, yeah, you know, I love it. Me too. I think it's ama- I think I think it is an incredibly without going too much on a tangent. I think it is an incredibly innovative film visually. It's such a genre mashup in the best possible way. I, I agree with you. The acting is impeccable. I think the direction is great. It's incredibly stylized, and it's a style I like. And it is a mother daughter relationship, but it's it's it is that, but it's also about Enoe, and it's about feeling lackadaisical in your life and about being in a rut. And it's also, it's not just a mother daughter relationship. It's about a queer daughter. It's about a queer girl who doesn't feel accepted or seen by her parents, especially her mother. And that's devastating. And that, and and the ramifications that that has for so many queer people. And so I, I think it's a beautiful, stunning film. And the fact that it centers an Asian American family, especially in light of so much Asian American hate I think is just beautiful on top of an already stellar film. Yeah. So this film is mm -hmm. in my top 10. I love this film. I think it's incredible. I think all your reasoning is sound. Yeah. (laughs) You just don't agree. And that's fine. Well, you know where it lost me and, and it didn't even lose me. It was just like, it was the big exit, the big exposition dump that, um, Michelle Yeoh's husband, uh, short round. I can't not call him short round. That's so stupid. Um, who's great in the movie, the big exposition dump he gives like about how everything works, you know? And it's just like, Mm -hmm. he's going to lay this all out for like three and a half minutes. And then, okay. I just exposition. And it's not exclusive to that movie. Exposition dumps really like kind of stick in my craw these days. I don't know why I might get over it at some point or not (laughs) or, or not, but I will say it as their performances, I mean, Michelle Yeoh is so wonderful anyway, mm-hmm. but um, she's so great in this. Jamie Lee Curtis is so great in it. Um, and so the acting is just great. I, I just think that kind of, you know, having to explain the world as specifically worlds as specifically as they did just kind of took me out of it. Plus I got COVID like two days after that. So oh, it's well, kind of tied mean- in with that memory too. <laughs> Like, that might be it. You might need to rewatch it. Just saying. <laughs> or maybe <Yeah>. not. <laughs> okay, Evan, what did you think? <laughs> not necessarily about everything everywhere no, all at once. I mean, of I'm course, you can ha- say that. But yeah, overall, I'm very happy that that is getting so much love and it has so many nominations. I think it, it, we've, you know, it was in my top 10 as well. So I was very happy to see Woo-hoo. that. Um, I was happy to, now that we just talked about Top Gun Maverick, I was excited <laughs> to see that in the in the you know, uh, nominated for best picture. I was glad to see women talking was nominated. I wish it was nominated for more things. 
Me too. I mean, I think high level disappointing that, uh, you know, we didn't see any women nominated for best director this year. We didn't see any black actors in the top acting categories, best uh, actor and actress. It's kind of amazing to me. I mean, I've seen so many great performances this year, but I know Danielle Deadweiler to me stands out as someone that I feel like should be nominated mm-hmm. for best actress for her performance until mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of scratching my top three. I agree yeah, with you. Kind of scratching my head that she'd, she didn't make it in, but Anna Darmist for made it in for Blonde, which I think is not a good movie and not a good performance. No. Yeah, swap her out for Tandaway Newton in um, the movie where she's the college professor that I can't remember the name. God's, oh, God's Country. Country. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's never going to be nominated for that. She should be, but she's never going to be nominated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but um, I would be I, I would be glad if Danielle Deadweiler was nominated if you swap her out or right. Tandaway Newton. Yeah, or both. Have them both. Yeah. Both great performances. Cut out Michelle Williams from The Fablemans. Oh, yeah. Good Lord. <laughs> and I like Michelle Williams. And I I'm not too. mad at her performance in The Fablemans, no. the way a lot of people don't like her performance in The Fablemans. But it is not that good. There are plenty of other performances. Give it to Viola Davis from The Woman King. I would have been happy with that, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't see it, but I've heard that was a really good performance. So, yeah. So, I'm kind of shaking my head, you know, about the lack of women nominated for Best Director and the lack of black actors in the lead acting categories and also just kind of scratching my head generally that triangle of sadness somehow made it into best picture nominations i mean of the movies i've seen that's the most like i don't i don't get it i don't understand why that's a best picture nominee i haven't seen it so i'll take your word for it. it yeah i haven't seen it either so i can't say anything about that i'm kind of surprised living didn't get more than a bill nye nomination it's a really fine movie could have swapped I, that up for Triangle of Sadness. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I, I, yeah, I liked Living a lot, but I liked it for Bill Nye's performance personally. So I think, I think, I think it got nominated for the right thing, I guess is what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, I agree with you, Evan, especially about the lack of uh, inclusivity and particularly with women directors. The fact that there are no women directors when there are so many critically acclaimed women directed films this year. Every year, I'm pissed off about it because almost every year it happens because only seven women have been nominated for Best Director, and Jane Campion was nominated twice, so that so it's eight nominations, seven women. Mm-hmm. It's it's appalling, and no black women have ever been nominated for Best Director. Also appalling. So yeah, and the fact that there are not enough people of color, especially black actors, in the acting categories also awful. Although I will say mm-hmm. it was an absolute delight to see Brian Tyree Henry nominated for best supporting actor because he is, he was one of my top picks for Causeway because it's a great film, underrated film, and he's amazing in it. So he's it was very so great. He is always so great. Mm-hmm. And I was so excited because that I feel like is a really truly deserved performance. I was also really excited to see Paul Mescal, who's amazing in after son. Colin Farrell has been my pick for best actor both in After Yang and in Banshees. So I was excited to see that. Um, yeah, and I was really excited for Women Talking as well, although I wish it had been nominated for more. But I'm really glad that it was yeah. nominated for Best uh, Adapted Screenplay and for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of the Best Pictures, I'm like, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, that's a choice, sure. <laughs> the, the thing about the directing thing that kind of is a head-scratcher to me is it's, Almost always, not not always, but almost always, like it's they're big directing like 
Banshees of Inishirin and Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Fablemans and Tar and I haven't seen Triangle. So those are all like heavy lifting directing movies. But if you think about it, Sarah Polly managed to make a bunch of women talking in a barn fascinating. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. why isn't that, you know, why isn't her name in there, you know? Right. For example. Mm-hmm. I, I could not agree with you more. I also, I mean, I think the innovative visionary work that Charlotte Wells did in her debut film of After Sun is absolutely amazing. For sure. And so, and she, it would have been great to see her nominated. I think Gina Prince-Bythewood, I think, you know, Woman King, I really liked it a lot. It wasn't one of my favorite films, but it is incredibly well directed. And she is a solid director time after time. And so, yeah, I mean, the one thing I will also say is I think it's a problem when you only have five directors, when you have 10 films. Mm-hmm. And yeah. not that it should always be beat for beat, like best director to best picture. But I mean, it's it's really hard because the be- the director is the one while it is, I, I'm not here for auteur theory, I do not think a director is the only one doing all the heavy lifting or all the work. They are the one who is, you know, ensuring the vision and tone are set throughout. And so it's it's hard to not nominate more of the directors that were nominated for Best Picture. But anyway, I digress. But yeah, I don't know. Do we have any other thoughts on the Oscar noms? Uh- me specifically, no. I mean, the Oscar nominations always leave me a little cold for all of the reasons we have described. And also because it's just like, oh God, fucking Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I agree with you. And I, you know, I, every year people are either really excited about the Oscars or they're like, fuck the Oscars, you know, who cares? And, and I get both sentiments. Like I get very excited for them. I love the pomp and ceremony. I love the pageantry of it. I do, but I also completely understand why people are like, oh, it's so frustrating because yes, most of the films that I love are not awarded or even nominated. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yes, I love Women Talking. I love Tar, Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I'm still, it kind of blows my mind that that is the film that got the most nominations because they never Mm -hmm. award sci-fi films. Never. They never award a genre film that has comedy elements in it. It, It's kind of mind-blowing. I love Banshees, which is so great, but yeah, but I, I get when people are not into them and, but at the same time, so much work comes out of being nominated for an Oscar or if you win, you get more work too, or you tend to, it opens doors. So I think for those reasons, it's important, even if we don't like it. Agreed. Yeah. I'll, I'll sign, I'll co-sign that statement. Yay. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts before we dig into our movies of the show? I kind of feel like talking about the Oscars more so we don't have to talk about the movies on our show. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it for I sure. I don't disagree. Oh, Spoiler boy. alert. <laughs> but yeah, we do. We have to we have to talk about these movies. Yeah, I mean we watched them. We already put the time in. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well do something useful at that time that wasn't watching the movie. Yeah. That is true. All right. <laughs> I'm ready. Let's All do right, this. let's do it. Let's do it. We're kicking things off with Blood and Blood Star. It's a like I said, a horror thriller. It stars Michelle Monaghan, Ski Ulrich, or Ulrich, I never know. Yeah, I never know. And yeah, I don't know. Now I'm curious. And it's directed by Brad Anderson, written by Will Homley. 
And here is the synopsis that comes from the Vertical Entertainment press release. Jess is a nurse and mother recently separated from her husband, and she moves her daughter and young son Owen, her daughter Tyler and young son Owen back into her family farmhouse. Shortly after settling in, Owen's dog escapes into the woods and returns days later, blood-soaked and rabid. When the dog attacks and bites him, the resulting infection grows more shocking as Owen's behavior becomes frightening and deadly. Yep. Those are things that happen in this movie. <laughs> I mean, when we call the dog rabid, I mean, he's been consumed by evil, you know? Yeah. Well, she thinks at first the dog is rabid, so. Right. Yeah. They do run those rabies tests. Yeah. An- people who can't see animals die in movies. You cannot see this movie. <laughs> no. I wanted to shut it off 10 minutes in. Yeah. There's so many dead animals. It's yep. so awful. Oh, right. The rabbits. I forgot about the rabbits. The rabbits. Yeah. The, the dog. dog. Yeah. Um, uh, oh. Nope. Anyway. Can Cannot. <laughs> no. 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 It's awful. That is all. <laughs> Evan, I'm so glad you kicked this, that off of that because that's yeah. all over my notes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The, this movie very quickly went on to my letterbox list. Movies my mother-in-law cannot watch, which I, I add any movie that involves animal death. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, and my I will, soul you- died when I was watching this. Does that count for anything? <laughs> <laughs> I think that counts too. Your soul ended up in the tree in the clearing. <laughs> I know. Let, let we, we must talk about that, by the way. Let's but, talk about it. Dave, do you want to talk about the tree? Yeah, harboring so, souls. <laughs> okay, so you all know how I hate it when horror movies over-explain their, their premise. And it doesn't mm-hmm. always work when you don't explain it. But one of the things I think that works about The Exorcist is like, for example, citing a great horror movie is, mm-hmm. there's a demon. It uh, takes over a young girl's body. No one knows why. <laughs> yeah, no, no I like one, that. <laughs> no one knows why the demon jumps into Father Karras. No, no one knows why. And it's great. It's yeah. complete mystery. Mm-hmm. And so then you have movies like, um, what's the one with Ethan Hawke where he finds all the eight millimeter footage? Sinister. Oh, Sinister. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, man, this is a fucking good movie and it's scary as fuck. And then they explain exactly what happened. And it's like, well, I'm not scared anymore. <laughs> Why did you do that? But I, I think <laughs> I found- you scolding the screen yeah. with like one <laughs> wagging your finger. Like, why did you right? do that? Yeah. I, I think though, I found the absolute worst thing when you give me a vague, half-assed sort of like, it might be this evil tree that like the daughter can <laughs> right. see things in, but we're not going to show you. Fuck right. off. Right. And we're going to think like, maybe if we burn that tree, that'll cure the kid. But nope, we're not going to rush to burn the tree. We're just going to kill the kid. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. Did you guys not see the post credit scene? With the dog? I did not have the strength. No. The, the, yeah, the, the there's dog. a mid-credit scene with the dog. What is this, and... a fucking Marvel movie, Brad Anderson? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> First of all, yes, Megan, when I saw that, I'm like, you bought a dog? What's wrong with you? After like, she's murdering rabbits and the dog. I, I know, she's got, you know, she's all happy. First of all, she's all happy. It's like you drowned your son in a pool of mud. All right, <laughs> I don't really think you're going to get over that one. All that quickly. Mm -hmm. That was so brutal. Second, you got another dog, which was the cause of all of this fucking shit anyway. (laughs) Are you stupid? 
Well, I mean, this whole movie is just it's so stupid. dumb. It's just so dumb. It makes me angry. We should probably back up just a smidge. So, listeners, what happens after her son gets bitten by this dog is he ends up in the hospital. They're running all the tests. Oh, maybe it's rabies. Then he has some seizures. And when he comes out of one of his seizures, he grabs his blood transfusion bag and starts sucking down the blood in it while Michelle Monahan's watching. And she realizes that the only thing that helps him is the blood. So as a nurse, she starts sneaking all kinds of blood out of the hospital by How marking it as damage. That she's a nurse. She takes him home to help him, you know, get back to a healthy state, which basically just involves escalating situations where she keeps trying to find ways to feed him blood from killing animals, kidnapping a woman at the hospital who tried to kill herself, who has cancer, uh, you know, her own bloodletting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah just escalating consequences until you know yeah it, it just oh. all all blows up and the kid just fully turns evil Goes with like glowing flat. eyes yeah yeah full flat. <laughs> don't don't forget by the way that she's a recovering addict she's been sober about yep. 18 months and they make this whole thing they mention it if they mention it once they mention it a half oh dozen times you remember so all the times, times that she was just like sleeping on the sofa <laughs> And you've got this perfect opportunity for the bloodletting to make her all lightheaded and all this shit. And the one time Skeet Ulrich finds her on the sofa, he's just like, hey, where are the kids? What's going on? This is crazy. <laughs> That's totally weird that you're on right. the sofa like that again. It's not drugs though, right? Cool. I mean- That's what I thought. I thought he was going to think she was using totally. again just because of that. None and- of that. Nope. No. Nope. And the old cancer patient, terminally ill cancer patient. I mean, this is, if this isn't the dumbest, most <laughs> fucking stupid screenwriting, not only is she a nurse, which is just stupid. I mean, Christ. <laughs> then you put a terminally ill cancer patient that she's apparently the only one who takes care of, has no family, wants to kill herself. And that's, Oh my God. I don't know any screenwriting professor or screenwriter because I know a few of them who would look at that and be like, great idea. Great idea. Yep. Fucking contrived piece of shit. Christ. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not going to defend that. I saw a film. So I'm in the midst of watching films at Sundance and there is a Sundance film that will be coming to shutter called birth rebirth oh to take my. on Frankenstein. Okay. And it has your favorite Marin Ireland in it. Um, Ooh boy. And it's, it's a, it's a good film. It's a good film, but she is um, a medical examiner um, and Judy Reyes is in it and she's a nurse. And it's kind of, there's like a lot of similarities in that they like start like, taking bone marrow and like blood and like you know, things like that, like to, to sustain this <laughs> creature <laughs> creature for lack of a better word, but it's yeah. a kid anyway, I digress. But yeah, but I'm like, but I kept thinking about that movie when I was watching this. Cause I'm like, cause I agree with you, Dave, it's so contrived, but I'm like that movie has kind of a contrived has those contrivances too. And yet it works because mm. it, has great performances and it's doing some interesting things. So yeah, I agree with you. So you can have a contrived, oh, you know, some sure. contrived elements, but right. But if that's all you've got, it's just going to fall apart. So yeah. And but I your really, vitriol is hilarious. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> like Michelle Monaghan too. And she just fucking flails in this part. 
Yeah. You know, I don't know how good she is. <laughs> I've seen her in a, lot, in a few things and I don't <laughs> think she's very good, but she's definitely not really. She's definitely not good in this. She's, she's bad. Yeah. Well, the thing that's kind of crazy about her performance in this is like, she's really trying, you know, Yes. like, and, and I don't think it's her fault. This is just, I mean, Brad Anderson has directed, let me think, uh, zero good movies. And <laughs> I mean, next stop Wonderland is fine, but there are people out there that love The Machinist, and it's got yes. the same fucking like the whole time you're watching The Machinist. It's like it's because he killed. It's because he killed someone. It's because he killed someone. It's because he killed someone. And then finally, it's like, oh, he killed someone, and now he's gotten it <laughs> off his consciousness, his conscience, and then he can go to sleep and he can start gaining weight again. Like, fuck the fuck off. <laughs> Session mm-hmm. nine. Ugh. The only thing interesting about that is that they shot it to that state hospital around here that has now been turned into condos. Mm. <laughs> oh, interesting. I want to back yeah. up for a moment. I'm about sorry. Michelle. This, I, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. I think it's important to talk about a director's filmography, so I don't think that's bad. I just want to back up for a moment about Michelle Monaghan because I kind of fall somewhere in between the two of you. I also question, Evan, how good of an actor she is. I feel mm. like she's someone that people talk about is really good. And then I see her and I'm like, is she? Like, yeah. she's okay. But I'm like, I, I keep waiting for her to be as good as I feel like people talk about. But I agree with you, Dave. I think she is working her ass off. I think she's really trying. Although I will pose, should I really have to see the effort? Like, shouldn't. A good Fair acting question. performance be mm-hmm. effortless seeming? Yes. Yeah. It should. Yeah. So. I mean, when Skeet Ulrich is giving the best performance in the movie, I think you're in trouble. <laughs> is he though? Yeah. Compared I mean, to what? I, I mean, don't know. I think Michelle Monaghan's better than Skeet Ulrich. I don't know. Well, there's just nothing for anybody to do in this movie That's except react. True. You know? Maybe the daughter's the best. I don't know. Yeah, she's Ooh, all right. Yeah. She's all it's right. not bad. Yeah, I, I mean, kind of liked her. The little boy is kind of listless, but I think he's supposed to be kind of listless. Yeah. Until yeah. he goes full Vlad. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. There's just nothing for any of them to do. Yeah. And this yeah, is right. a great concept. I like mm-hmm. the premise of this. Yeah. The one thing that like, I mean, the movie never had me in its clutches. The whole time I was just like, this is dumb. But when I was just like, at what point are we going to try to eat our baby half-sister? When is that going to happen? Oh, and then it happens. Yeah. It happens. And thank God his sister is there. But I was just like, I can see, I, I saw that beat coming the moment I knew he had a baby half-sister. Right. right. Yeah. And that doesn't come for another 85 minutes after you learn he has one. <laughs> like, yeah. I just... The only interesting thing about this is that he doesn't have vampire teeth. He's just got regular <laughs> teeth. Yep. And glowing eyes. Don't forget the glowing eyes. Oh, the right. glowing Which eyes. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fine. I don't really know why that's part of the equation here, but sure. I also saw the baby thing coming a mile away. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I might have respected the movie more if they actually just let him do it. Right? <laughs> I think I would have. It would have yeah. been horrifying, but it, it would have like, been ballsy as shit, I tell you. <laughs> I will say, I do. I agree. I think it's kind of a ballsy ending that she drowns her kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, to get rid of the evil, I don't know. And and Evan, that's why he had glowing eyes. Evil. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> don't forget <laughs> the evil. That, that's like when we when we were sitting watching movies, I'll, I'll just turn to Sean and be like, 
That's a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) The rat stands for obvious. (laughs) What is it with the tree? It's like the daughter looks into the dead tree and she sees, we never get to see what it is. That's not cool. Your voices, like your voices coming out of it. And also, why didn't it make Michelle Monaghan evil when she she grew up in this fucking house? Thank you. That's what I was thinking. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the pond, it used to be like a pond where they would catch fish, but wouldn't the fish be evil? I mean, wouldn't you like eat some of that trout and then be like, oh, now I want to like turn into trout and eat other fish. I'm a piranha. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, why isn't Michelle Monaghan turning evil when she's like rolling around in the mud? Why isn't the daughter turning evil? Right? Because she was in the mud too. Maybe maybe it only goes into one creature at a time. Maybe it's like the thing. The one thing that I think is interesting about this movie, and I don't think it's necessarily a good thing, but I think it's interesting, is that when the kid, Owen, goes full Vlad, he looks like they made him up, and this has got to be a conscious choice. They made him up to look like um, not Regan when she's possessed in The Exorcist, but the subliminal frames with the white-faced yes. demon. Yes, yes, Totally looks like that. Mm-hmm. With the sunken eyes pickup. and the- yep. Yeah. No, I I think yeah, I think the the visual the makeup and the visuals are good. Um I also really like again, I like it conceptually how far a mother will go. Mm-hmm. How how much of her boundaries is she going to push? How much of her ethics and her morality is she going to just shove out the window, you know, in order to help her kid? But yeah, I yeah. I think it's an interesting premise, interesting themes. You know, I always like bodies and consumption. Those are those are themes I gravitate towards. But yeah, this is just no. And a lot of it had to do with the animal deaths. A lot of it had to do with the fact that the characters have nothing to do. I know nothing right. about these characters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this felt really tedious for me. I Very will say tedious. though, that ending when Michelle Monaghan is screaming, that's probably the best acting she's doing in the movie. Oh, and she drowns her kid? Yeah. How did she get away with that? How did how did they determine they that was, was an accident. accidental drown? No, but how? He said he <laughs> drowned before they got there, I guess. I don't fucking know. The, the 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 mother and the daughter could tell the same story and then you know they, they could. corroborate each other's story, but then she still loses custody basically of her daughter. Anyway, she still only has supervised visitation at the end. Yeah. Yep. I think that's the one realistic thing about it. I agree. Like if your son died on your watch, then yes, your daughter you'd get her for an hour a week with you know, mm-hmm. somebody from Child Protective Services watching yeah. her every move. Agreed. Am I the only one that thought the kid was a dick? I did not like him. Uh, <laughs> like, there's the part where he opens the door and lets the dog out and then turns around and gets mad at his mom saying like, oh, you let the dog out. This is your fault. Like, no, dumbass. You open the door. You let the dog out. Like, you, This is your fault. Yeah, I, I thought it was <laughs> shitty when he was just like, you don't care about Pippin because dad got him for us. It's like, all right, I know that you're like nine and you're reaching, but that's just dumb, even for a nine-year-old, you know? <laughs> mom doesn't care. Like, mom might not like the dog, but she doesn't care who bought it. I mean, like, God, and there's no indication that that's how she feels. Just, oh, I hate that shit. See, I wasn't bothered by any of that because kids lash out, first of all. For and sure especially- they do. And especially when you have a parent who's, you know, an addict and it was clearly that she was, you know, in dealing with her addiction while they were around. So to me, it 
maybe I'm doing a lot of legwork for the movie, but to me, the fact that he was kind of a, a shit, I was like, yeah, that kind of tracks. Yeah. And the other thing, of course, you know, like running away from home and putting up all the wanted signs while not wearing your helmet on a very busy road, I might add, that's legitimately like just ridiculous, you know? Like if I had done mm-hmm. that, my parents would have been like, and here's your bike going into the trash compactor. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. It's a bad do, movie. It's an exceptionally do, bad movie. Evan, I was going to say, do we have any final thoughts? But I think, Dave, those might be your final thoughts. <laughs> Evan, do you or do you have any additional final thoughts, Dave? And Evan, you as well. Well, I just want to apologize to my former co-hosts who are going to fire me after this episode. What? Never. How fucking crazy I went there in the middle. <laughs> uh, Dave, we love you. Don't be ridiculous. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 giving voice to a lot of my frustration. <laughs> so I just hey. think it's funny. Yeah, Good. no, it it's always funny when one of us gets amped up about a movie that they just absolutely hate. Yeah. I know, but I will say I do kind of like that our listener, our patron, Heather Sachs, thank you, Heather, did tweet us asking if Dave, you were okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. You just happened to start your a new patron and you've started listening to us at a time where we've just watched a bunch of really bad movies in a row. It's it's kind of astounding. Yeah. You know? This is also this can be a really tough time of year because this is when a lot of the Direct yeah. gets dumped. It, right. it can be. And it used to be like yeah. January and February were like movie dead zones, but then that kind of changed for a while. Yes. Yes. You know? And now yeah. I feel like we're going back. I know. What's happening? Yeah. Although I'm telling you guys, Megan is great. And that came out in January. So That's, just yeah. saying. I do want to see that. So well it's yeah, on VOD now, so you can. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> but back to blood. Do we have anything else before we shift gears into our next film? No. I have one thing. Yes. Evan was saying on the bonus Patreon episode about Top Gun Maverick that he kept getting, you've lost that loving feeling in your head, <laughs> which I did too when I was watching this. It was crazy. No, I kept getting blood by um, Pearl Jam stuck in my head. And the reason is because oh. Eddie Vedder screams, it's my just like at the, and I don't know how he has a larynx still basically after singing that song, but I kept thinking of him screaming that while I was watching this movie. I feel like that would make this film watching experience much more fun. If I had been thinking mm-hmm. about Eddie Vedder screaming blood, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it certainly didn't hurt things. I'll put it that way. <laughs> All right. We have a lot of strong feelings, especially you, Dave, about blood. Mm. <laughs> Let's see what our feelings will be about Life Upside Down. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> so Life Upside Down stars Bob Odenkirk and Rada Mitchell and Danny Houston. And it is written and directed by Cecilia Minucci. And here is the description from the IFC website. An art dealer navigates a personal and professional crisis in this Okay, this is wrong. In this globe-spanning romantic drama, I don't think this is globe-spanning. If the Uh, globe is LA and it's a flat earth. (laughs) Exactly. But basically this takes... (laughs) This takes place... This takes place in LA during the onset of COVID. And so the film opens at an art gallery 
with Bob Odenkirk, who is the gallery director, and then his friends or patrons who come in. And then COVID hits, and then they're all quarantining at home. And so this whole movie was made during the onset of COVID. And so most of it is through laptop screens, Zoom, you name it. And Mm -hmm. yeah, and basic. And so Bob Odenkirk and Rada Mitchell, Bob Odenkirk is married. But he and Rada Mitchell are having an affair and Danny Houston and his wife are together and he's writing a book and she's not really interested in hearing about it, but she pretends she is. And yeah, so it's kind of like they're all, I guess, at a crossroads, not just Bob Odenkirk's character, but they're all at a crossroads. Like, what is life? What do things mean? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm just going to say, I, I hated this movie. I hated this movie <laughs> so much. Um, but guys, what did you think? <laughs> Yep. Okay, Evan, I'm going to just give my three-word review, and then you can get into it. Sounds good. Piece of shit. Ah! <laughs> there you go. Yep. Yeah, there was a, a few days ago. Well, I, I feel like we wanted to see this because Bob Odenkirk. I feel like we all like right. Bob Odenkirk as an actor. Yes. And I mean, I don't know about you two, but I feel like I haven't really seen him in much outside of Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul in the last few years. So I was like, okay, I'm interested to see him do something else. It's an indie movie. It's about COVID and people in lockdown. This could be really interesting. And then a couple of days ago, Dave texted the two of us and was like, <laughs> something like, oh boy, you know, life upside down. Really curious what you guys are going to think of this. Right. And then I was like, oh no. And then I watched it and I maybe made it about 10 minutes in. Then I texted the both of you. What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> I know. And I just want to say, Five minutes into this movie, I tur- I walked out of my room and went to my roommate's room and said to him, what the fuck am I watching? This might be the worst movie I've seen all year yeah. and might see all of the year. It's yeah. so bad. It's, it's so horrible. Bad. It's so bad. And the thing is, I'm really sad that I feel like we still haven't gotten a decent COVID movie. And and this the problem here is that there's a good idea about, you know, couples in lockdown and, you know, you have Bob Odenkirk who's cheating on his wife and then he ends up, you know, realizing that he's a fucking idiot and he shouldn't be cheating on his wife because his wife is awesome. And, you know, Danny Houston is kind of like the pompous intellectual and his wife starts cheating with the neighbor and then they kind of end up making up. So, like, there's a good, they're good idea here, but this movie is so fucking overdone. It just kills me. With like the music is so overbearing and oh the God, yes. the you know the voyeuristic cinematography like you were saying Megan with the, the the zoom the laptop screens and things it's just so hitting you over the head with I don't even know what it's trying to say I really don't know what the movie wants me to take away from this it's a movie that I feel like is about ennui, but a movie that's about ennui shouldn't make me feel ennui. And this movie did. (laughs) (laughs) It's better than any line of dialogue in the movie. (laughs) That is true. Yeah. I limped through this movie. It was so tedious. I barely made it. You know how I watched it? Usually when movies are terrible like this, I take them in chunks and I was like, nope, I'm going to get through this fucker in one go. (laughs) So I don't have to worry about it anymore. It's exactly what I did. That's what I did too. Uh, Woof. I think think I've had enough of, in particular, men cheating on their spouses and I'm supposed to feel like uh, bad. I mean, yes, he does realize that he's the asshole, but still, 
I just, I think I'm tired of that trope. I think Bob Odenkirk's not very good in this. No. I don't, I don't think that, I mean, I don't know what you could do to be good in this. Uh, this is, this is such a, just a limp screenplay. This, it has no, like, you know, Danny Houston, intellectual. Okay. That's boring because Danny Houston just kind of comes off that way, no matter what he does. And then you've got his wife who, as the movie would have you believe, is a certified dum-dum, but (laughs) she's like really sweet and cares about him and brings him snacks and like, you know, does all these things for him. And he just fucking ridicules her all the time. It's like, no wonder she starts fucking her neighbor. Jesus Christ. I actually did feel bad for her. And then this is really strange. Why, except for the actual opening scene where they're all together pre-COVID, why is all of Bob Odenkirk's wife dialogue off screen in ADR. Thank you. And you Why? don't see her face. Right. Until the end, until they make up. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> clearly they couldn't have that actress in the room with him. But why? Yeah. Oh, it's may- so weird. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really, really strange. I mean, you could have done that thing like they did with the NBA. It's where you put, you know, everybody in their own hotel room and, you know, leave them there. And then mm-hmm. when it's game time, you swab them all before they play the game. You swab them afterward, and then they go back to their hotel room forever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like. And I just feel bad for Rada Mitchell. You know, she's kind of like disappeared into obscurity in the past decade or so. And I was like, "Oh, Rada Mitchell, I'll be happy to see her." And she's just got nothing to do here except no. moon over fucking Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, and play the saddest, <laughs> most pathetic character. It's like you know that you're sleeping with a married guy and it's weird that you're expecting him to suddenly be more attentive to you and able to somehow spend time with you it just it doesn't make any sense to me why she seems to have any expectations of this guy that clearly is like a loser asshole unreliable like i don't think that's new i don't think that's like just started from him i feel like that's been a pattern of behavior and that's just continuing into this that is true and i completely agree with you evan I think it's a lot easier to judge a relationship outside of it because I cannot tell you how many women I know, women who date men, who put up with bullshit because a guy is like, oh, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to leave this person, but I can't right now because of blah, 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 or this Mm -hmm. reason. And they just leave them little crumbs, like, you know, and just string them along. And- a lot of women put up with it. And I'm not saying all, a lot don't and good, you shouldn't. But so to me, that actually felt really true to life, even though it was infuriating, but obviously it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. But that I was like, oh, yep, I have seen that scenario before. That is not a surprise. I will say though, having seen that scenario before, do something interesting with it. And there is nothing interesting right, done exactly. with it because this movie is insufferable. This movie is terrible. It is terribly written. Good the char- word. Thank you. The characters mm-hmm. are so thin, so paper thin. The acting is bad. And, you know, Danny Houston's a great actor. Rada Mitchell's a great actor. Bob Odenkirk. Love Bob Odenkirk. In Better Call Saul, he's giving the performance of a lifetime. He's amazing. And mm-hmm. I know everybody loves him and nobody. And, you know, he's done so many things where he's funny and charismatic and interesting and he is just so flat here. It's just, it's wild to me. He's really, really poor. Yeah. And you know, I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, 
I want to I want to cut some slack momentarily in my head. This was all done during COVID, like the the beginnings of COVID. However, we have seen COVID made films that are excellent. Natalie Morales's language lessons is mm, also true. all on Zoom and is charming yep. and delightful and has really great cinematography cons- and lighting considering it's all also on Zoom. Yeah. Zoe Lister-Jones and Daryl uh, Wine's film How It Ends also is filmed during the on- early onset of COVID and is beautiful cinematography. And I really enjoyed that. So there are, you can do it, but this film, I mean, I hate to say this, but it looks like I could have done a better job making a movie. Like that's how bad this you cinematography probably could is. Have. Like, Don't it- sell yourself short. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. I appreciate the vote of confidence. Or maybe you're just, cause it's that bad. But like- <laughs> I, I, I think nine out of 10 people could have made a better looking movie. Like I just, it kind of, I'm gobsmacked by it. Like just mm-hmm. how bad it looks and how bad it's written. And I hate trashing a movie, but wow, this is just, this is an epic fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and wow, I, I don't, Evan, did you say you, there hasn't, you were talking about if there hasn't really been a good movie or about COVID yet. Yeah, but I appreciate that Megan reminded me of two movies that I did like that were shot during COVID. <laughs> I think I think I don't really want to see You're movies welcome. about COVID, though. You know, I just <laughs> it's really uh, having lived through it and still being you know living through it. It's kind of like uh, it's like when you, like when you first saw the trailer for United ninety three and you're like, oh my god, this <laughs> that was four years ago and they've made a movie about it. What the fuck? By the way, this movie is so poorly written that I didn't realize that that Bob Odenkirk was the gallery owner and not the artist for the longest time. <laughs> yeah. So, I was like, why is he worried about like the gallery as a property if he's just like the artist who's got an installation in there? And I'm like, wait a minute. All the other there's all of those those paintings that are kind of like to Danny Houston's wife whose name I can't remember. It was like it looks like candy. There's all those paintings, but then there's all those paintings over there that don't look like that. That's a different Mm -hmm. artist. Oh, Mm -hmm. they should have shown some other ones before we got to this scene, but okay. Yeah. Oh man. To be the kind of person that could drop 36 K on a uh, painting in an attempt to save my relationship. Like Danny Houston does in this movie. And also that's going to save your gallery. 36 K is like, I, I don't feel like that's enough. You know, to right? rent no. an art gallery in like a trendy part of Los Angeles, it doesn't seem doable to me. And to pay the staff that had to be paid. And he was talking about how they're all out of college and they need mm-hmm. their money. Two months back rent. Yeah. Yeah. That's not enough money. That's not enough money for all these things. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. But I anyway. Mean, you could make this movie for $36. Not thirty six thousand. Maybe that's what she's like. How much did this movie cost? Thirty six dollars. Multiply that by ten thousand. Thirty six thousand dollars. Oh, ouch. <sighs> yeah, I was just thinking while we were talking, thinking again about films made during COVID, like the onset. And one of the best documentaries I've seen recently was Nan Fu Wang's "In the Same Breath," that was filmed. She couldn't be in China. 
She was like trapped in China with her child and then she left China and she instructed people to film in hospitals on their phones. And that footage is better and it's better edited than what we saw. And I'm just like, and these were amateur people. These were like just regular random people. Mm -hmm. What is happening? What is happening? I mean, what's the, the JJ Abrams monster movie where Cloverfield Cloverfield didn't, didn't the guy we don't like anymore actually shoot most of that? Cause he was the, literally the camera operator, yeah, TJ Miller. Oh, I was like, who's the guy we don't like I, anymore? I think yes. that he like, actually shot specific, Dave. the bulk of that. You <laughs> no, know, Dave, you do have to be more specific. There's a lot of people we don't like. <laughs> yeah. Well, it turns out that he's like detestable. So, you know, yes. whatever. Wait, did TJ Miller really do the footage of that? I didn't know that. That's interesting. He he shot a bunch of it, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much of it they used, but he was like, yeah, when that camera was on my shoulder, it was running the whole time, so. Oh, that's also like the, not that TJ Miller's a uh, cinematographer, but that's also like the cinematographer of Wreck that we saw who was like yes. running the whole time mm. and it yeah. has the camera. Anyway, I think the point is that we can, you know, if if anyone is out there like, oh, well, you know, Maybe they should cut, maybe they're being way too hard on the film and, you know, they should cut them some slack because it was filmed under really strict constraints. No, there are a lot of other films that have worked around those constraints. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Is there some kind of a dance of joy we could do to get ourselves <laughs> out of said ennui? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, I mean, this was a tough week, guys. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's no the sun, but no, you know, it's, it's close. <laughs> I mean, we had, <laughs> hi, yi, yi. yeah. Yeah, let's not talk about the sun again. <laughs> no, no, we don't have to. I'm just, <laughs> I'd rather watch Sick again than either of these films. Oh, I like Sick. I know uh, you didn't like it, yeah, though. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it, so. Yeah. So that's saying something that you'd rather watch a movie you didn't like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any final thoughts? No, no. <laughs> I feel like there were, it was it was going to be easy to get through the stuff that was bad about the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so much of it. How do you choose? <laughs> oh Jesus! Wow. Well, new listeners. <laughs> we swear you, we do love it's movies. Not usually like this. <laughs> I know if this is your first time listening, yikes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I swear we are positive about movies. (laughs) Actually, we were speaking of, that's a great segue for as we're wrapping up that we had a great time talking about Top Gun Maverick and we all really enjoyed that. So if you're a patron, go check it out. And if you're not, consider joining. And that's at patreon.com slash spoiler piece for five bucks a month. You get to listen to bonus episodes and yeah, vote in polls and all that kind of fun stuff. So let me back up and rewind a little bit. Blood is in theaters now. It's going to be on VOD in about a week. And Life Upside Down is also in theaters. I think it's safe to say none of us would recommend these two. Is that correct? Yes. Correct. Evan, do you also concur on that? I do, yeah. On the Dave's old writing system, this would be two double barfs. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> That's right. Oh, it sure would. <laughs> I mean, wow. Uh, you know, the sun might be worse 
then inside the mind of Charles Swan III. No. Maybe. Maybe. I didn't even finish that movie. It was so bad. It's at least as bad. Let me put it that way. (laughs) I've never seen this alleged movie. (laughs) You've done yourself a favor. Okay, I'm good. It's an act of self-love to not watch that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I need all the self-love I could get, so I'm I'm here for that. (laughs) All right. Well, you can, if you'd like to listen to maybe some more positive commentary on films, go check out our our other episodes and you can find Spoiler Piece anywhere you listen to podcasts. We are all over the place. You can also go to our website, spoilerpiece.com. You can also find us at social media, all of the social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Letterboxd, TikTok, at Spoiler Piece. You can also reach out to us. Let us know. Did you like these movies? Did you also find them as frustrating as we did? We want to know. We want to hear from you. You can also reach out to us at, via email at spoilerpiece at gmail.com, or you can give us a call. At 86221-PIECE. You can leave us a voicemail message. You can leave us a text. Share your thoughts and feelings. Let us know. We love hearing from you. And like I said about our patron, our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash spoiler piece. Uh, if you want to become a member, that would be great. We love that. Um, if you want, if you don't want to do that, but you still want to show the, show the show some love and support, you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash spoiler piece and it'll take you to your preferred platform of choice, and you can leave a rating. That really helps us out a lot. You can also rate us at Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Yeah, and oh, I did not thank our amazing editor, Otto Clammer. I knew I was forgetting something. <laughs> I should have done kicked off everything with that. Otto, you are amazing. We love you. You are a fantastic editor. Thank you so much for all you do for us week after week. Yay, Otto. Thanks, Otto. And my name is Megan Kearns. I write film reviews for Edge Media Network. I'm a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association. I'm also a member of Gallica. You can follow me on Twitter at OpinionSWorld or on Instagram and Letterboxd at the S. My name is Dave Riedel. I write and I talk about movies. I'm a member of the Boston Online Film Critics Association, and I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. I'm at Dave Sees Movies. Nah. Except for the nah part. <laughs> <laughs> Skip the nah. My name is Evan Crean. I am co-chair of the Boston Online Film Critics Association and co-author of your 80s movie guide to better living. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as Real Recon, and that's real as in film reel. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.